You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode twenty-three. Uh, tonight we've got the two Johns, so that's John and myself. Hi, John. Hi John, how are you? I'm good. Uh, we've got uh, Terry on. Even. Good. How you doing? I think you're a regular now. I think I'm becoming it, isn't it? This is, what is this, appearance free? Do you get a hat-trick Aye. ball for that, like you do in 12pm? <laughs> Yeah, we, we could we could get that set up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so where should we start then? Should we start last midweek or should we start the? Uh, I think we start midweek, yeah. Because uh, the last time we recorded was Tuesday night, so there was a full uh, Premiership fixture card on Wednesday night, um, and it was an interesting one. Week to the death. Aye, well I was watching the, Ranger, the Aberdeen Rangers game um, first 38-40 minutes was dreadful it looked like Rangers were going to give Aberdeen an absolute doing um, and then somehow we managed to get back into the game before half time which was totally against what the play undeserved um, and then somehow managed to come out with a draw at the end well what was going on at Celtic Park Aye, I'm sure there was a, a, a roar at Pataudry when um, Hamilton equalised in like, the 89th minute of the game. Uh, Celtic were the usual, um, pretty dominant in the game, but never quite finished it off at 1-0, thanks to the, the, the Ryan Christie goal. And then when Hamilton scored in the 89th minute, many people, including the, the Rangers fans, I'm sure, who were up at Pataudry watching their own team dropping points, thought we'll maybe get away with it. But um, it wasn't to be, because... About 90 seconds later, Scott Brown was uh, leading for the front, literally, and getting the, the winning goal. It's becoming a habit him scoring goals recently. He's, he's got a few recently, aye. Uh, that's just quite a nice goal, actually. Kind of cut it across the face of goal. It just, I don't know if I got the keeper what, unaware or what, but um, aye, it was trying to finish. wasn't too much pace behind it. I think it was just well placed, and that's it. I think I got the keeper it. Yeah. I yeah, think the keeper was slightly incited as well because um, it's also come through the defender's legs but take nothing away it's a, it's a pretty good finish for that stage of the game and as you say when you need your um, captain to step up, step up in that moment um, he certainly dug Celtic at a bit of a hole uh, I mean I, I had it written off after it was done uh, one each so um, I was just tweeting about how that's for all the people who think we should whack up the goal difference in this game or we could rest a few people and before I could even click send I got another message <laughs> so uh, nobody ever seen that tweet <laughs> I should say about the Aberdeen game going back to it though second half Aberdeen made Rangers look quite ordinary Rangers were a completely different team in the second half after Cosgrove scored um, just Cosgrove? Cosgrove? You mean Considine? 
going to deny him. Aye, Cosgrove, unfortunately, for Wednesday. Chelsea not had a few drinks, aren't they? Aye. <laughs> After my hour, I've put Cosgrove into the country, aye. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Feel back in a change in tactics, second half for Gallic, I could have run in the channels, I think, helped. Dragging Highland on a special out position. Yeah. Yeah. Had a wee bit of joy there, so right. good second well, half. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't get to see um, the full game because um, I was flying back from um, my holiday, so I was only with Edinburgh Airport. I wasn't realised. Oh, Aberdeen were playing it. About to see what the score was, um, but I did catch the highlights later. Um, there's no doubt that the contentious decision with the Morelos penalty incident. Um, it should be given as a penalty, but what I will say... From, He'd have probably missed it anyway. Possibly, yeah. Um, but from, I'm not from, sure. our, from our point of view, from our point of view, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the penalties that we were now given against Hamilton and Kilmarnock and the one that Ross County got that was outside the box. And we said we would rather it evened itself out in games like this against Rangers and Celtic. But And it, well, it evened itself out from that point of view last week, thankfully. Um, but for what I saw in the highlights, probably a draw was... Result. That, that, that's might be a theme this week, but um, um, <laughs> there was fine margins with us. Um, I actually thought that the referee got this one right. I know I'm in the minority with us, but to me, when you look at the still pictures, when the contact is made, Morelos's foot is crossing the line. So if he's crossing the line and he's coming out the box when he's doing it, the Aberdeen contact must, unless two legs are occupying the same space, the Aberdeen leg must be outside the box. So for me, free kick outside the box. Shall I take call? Tough one to judge. Um, do you have anything to offer in these two games? I mean, I think it's a definite penalty for me. Um, and like, we'll probably discuss more contentions decisions and throughout the, the podcast, but I think we're seeing a theme in Scotland where refereeing decisions are still as poor as they have been um, over the course of the last few years. It just seems like we continue to go over the same things. It's probably marginal, it's like it, it could be deemed inside or outside, but for me it's a penalty. Um, and I'm, I didn't see any of the games, I, I watched the highlights. But by all accounts, what I'd heard is Rangers were excellent for 40 minutes and then Aberdeen score, and you know, after that becomes a different game. So, and the Celtic game, uh, I just finished my own the football class that I run on a Wednesday night and seen that when Akis had scored, and I was. Effing and Jeffing and blind into my phone, and then less than two minutes later, Scott Brown does that, and it's the most un Scott Brown goal I think I've ever seen. <laughs> the way he skips past a couple of players and stuff. Which usually, if Scott Brown scores, he's, it's a shot from outside the box, and whether it's been a deflection or something, it's very rare you see him skip past a couple of players and then slide it into the corner. So, everybody, yeah, uh, a massive week in Scottish football, obviously, it's, been, uh, it's a massive. That was a massive result for Celtic sneaking that weight on. And a big one for Aberdeen, actually, although he didn't do well this weekend. But I think McInnes has got his doubters and has had them. There's been a lot of talk about the results this season against uh, Celtic Rangers. And they've obviously proven themselves a little bit getting that. Because at 2-0 it could have been anything. But a fight back is obviously truly giving them a shot in the arm. Yeah, thanks for bringing up the Hubs game. Um, but yeah, <laughs> in terms of the the Rangers game, yeah, it was a good um, it was a good fight back. And you know, McKenna said afterwards how he um, silenced a few critics who questioned his team selection. Well, um, unfortunately, on Saturday, um, 
it was the the opposite um, because it was a disastrous second half. Um, it was it's a good pass by Alan for the first one, but I think um, it's not good defending. I think Joe Lewis doesn't cover himself in glory because Martin Ball skips by him far too easy. Um, and then McInnes, pretty needlessly, in my opinion, made three substitutions. And then we give the ball away cheaply, and again, it's not good defending. Um, and then have scored two goals in a matter of minutes, and, and uh, pretty can, convincing. Uh, can Joe Lewis do better at the second one as well? He doesn't. He didn't appear to make any real effort when Boyle doesn't get a lot a lot on it, but. I'm not sure if Lewis can do better on the second one as well. Yeah, personally, I think Constantine was the main culprit for the second one, um, more more so than Lewis. But you know, the third def- um, the third goal, the defending's just nobody even puts in a, a tackle, which is is pretty poor. Um, it's just a bad day all round. But um, no, well done. Eh? Uh, Hibs for now the way they bounced back because they had a bit of a shock in midweek losing to Ross County, um, so it was good for them getting back um, to winning ways. And I think Jack Ross will be content with the start they've had. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, that's a massive result for Hibs doing that. Um, I think the game sort of turned on one of the highlights I've seen anyway. That Cosgrove misses the chance and it gets parried out to him. And Marciano saves it again, and then had to score not long after. And these are this is the sort of things that can obviously change games. Um, but yeah, it's a huge result for Jack Ross after losing to Ross County. Mm-hmm. We're going over the other games last midweek. I'm just kind of going over the results. Hearts Levy, obviously they drew one all. Kelly's and Johnson. 2-0-0 and then Motherwell had a good one 3-0 at St Mirren continued our fine form yeah I think form. I think Which Motherwell were the, the, the big winners this week because um, mm-hmm. like that from Boomer over St Mirren they, they followed that up um, at the weekend there we, I went over Hearts um, and probably the worst decision of the week actually was in this game um, because somehow Motherwell had a second goal chalked off in this game for, despite the fact that there was at least two Hearts players playing everybody on <laughs> I don't understand this one at all. It's not even close because the Hearts players are pretty much on the goal line um, when the ball comes across the, the, the face of goal and the, the, the ball boy runs in for what, the six yard box. So it's it's not even close. Um, and it's not like it's not as if it's even one Hearts defender. There's two. <laughs> How the, the, the linesman flagged that one off, I have no idea whatsoever. Um, but that's that, the the game itself. Uh, it was one 0 to Motherwell, but it could have been more. Um, it's I've seen Hearts create less chances um, in, a, in, in this game because I thought they created a few, but never really looked like taking any number as Motherwell had a few decent chances. Um, the open the goal that they'd get was a top corner finish for long. Um, but they had a few other chances in this, and, and Motherwell were going from strength to strength. So they've, they've got themselves back up to third again thanks to that. Um, that Aberdeen's defeat at East Road. Um, and they're, they're, they're looking good for it. Um, they're, they're plodding along, and I, um, it's I, I keep looking back at just how far behind everybody else is behind Celtic Rangers this season. Um, and I think the fact Mother One Aberdeen have been swapping places a couple of times now just kind of shows it. It's, was it nine points Mother One behind Celtic? I haven't played two games more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's yep. also a 30 goal difference to make up as well. I mean, that just shows the, <laughs> um, the gap the gap just now. Um, but yeah, Mother have done well. They had nine points in the space of that those seven days, so it's been a terrific week for them. Um, Hearts, well, they finally appointed a manager after about a five week wait. Um, a less than classy statement, um, you know, when they announced Daniel Stendhal saying they finished above Jack Rossi's uh, Sunderland. Yeah. Um, a little dig. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you get the um, tit for tat um, with them in Barnsley over the compensation rights. So it'll be interesting to see how that drags out. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> Barnsley are within their rights to do this um, because he is still technically contracted at Barnsley. Uh, they only stuck him in gardening leave because they were too cheap to sack him. Um, so now, having been too cheap to sack him, now that somebody's come along to take him off their hands, they want not only to get him off a wage bill, but compensation on top of that. Aye, uh, there's been rumour at Barnsley, though, that Stendhal try to kind of get a move away to our championship side, so I think there's maybe a lot of mileage in this story. Ah, yeah, telling the truth, because the Barnsley fan that I know, he says he doesn't trust, trust the owners as far as he can throw them. Um, so, whether it's true or not, who knows? So, yeah, that point, never find out the story. No, I think the, the problem is they are probably legally entitled to compensation. Another argument would be, well, they had to see out uh, Stendhal's contract as long as that was going to run. Um, so, if they had to abide by those rules, so does anybody else that wants to come and take them? Which, in this case, is Hearts. So, I can I can perfectly understand where they're coming from, but it just seems a bit. It doesn't quite sit right the fact they've stuck him in garden and said they'd have to sack him. Or pay him off as it is in football because nobody really truly gets sacked by the manager. Seems to happen more and more now with these gardening leave. Yeah. But maybe the season for gardening as well. No, exactly. <laughs> but I know the, the, the interesting work will start for, well, for Hearts now that the, they've finally appointed a manager. They are sitting on the, the 12 point mark alongside both Hamilton and St Johnson at the bottom there. Um, they're ahead on goal difference, so they're actually outside the, the playoff at the moment. But you would expect uh, with Hearts finance background and the, the squad they've got is actually fairly decent if they can start playing together. Um, so if Sendo's any good, they should start moving away from that. But should and well, it's, it's two different things in football, so we shall see. Um, so I, um, he's got. I think he starts tomorrow, or God, that's Monday night. Uh, I think he's on Tuesday, so um, he's got pretty much all week to work with the team. Um, the, the fixtures at the weekend. Is it a point? Johnson at home, yeah. So it's a good one to start with. Um, it's a team that are actually bottom. Um, so I, I, that's a good place to start, as any. Um, they want to be picking up the three points there, uh, and that would be a good start for the new manager. However, if they lose that, uh, they're, they're, they're setting them up for a bad position to that. Wait and see. Um, I just go back to Hearts in, in midweek. Um, they, I think they were probably a little bit fortunate to get out of the, that game with uh, a draw. They were, they were behind for most of the game. Uh, Bartley had given Livingston the lead, but Stephen McLean rescued the point. In the last couple of minutes. It's been not a bad week for Livingston, to be fair. I mean, they got a draw at Tynecastle, although um, although they'll feel they should have won the game having been in front. Um, but then they go and 
beat Kilmarnock 3-0 and I think that was their first one in eight games which is quite surprising given the last one was against Celtic but uh, terrific win for them it lifts them six points clear of um, the bottom three teams who are obviously on 12 points so yeah good result for Gary Holtzman Right, uh, timer what you say is it's the first one since the, the, the Celtic one so that surprised me because I've never really kicked the one after that but uh, aye, they would have been disappointed not to get the three points in the week but certainly far from disappointing against Kilmarnock um, the, the goals that they got were, were pretty good um, they probably scored, could have scored a lot more I don't know what's happening in Kilmarnock this week um, but uh, aye, it could have been 3 on 53 on. It's a nice football by Lovis as well, I thought, for the goals. Aye, aye. Um, I think Guthrie's opener's burned within for about 3 inches, but it was a nice build up to that. Um, like I said, there was a nice flick. The, 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 for me, the goal's probably the best. It was all over a bit of play for one end of the park trailer, always finishing it off. So, aye, um, I think it'll be good value for money this week, Lovison. Is it four points? Or they're six clear of the, the bottom now, so good position to Aye, and then a good win for St Mirren at Hamilton. It's hard as well. Fully deserved as well. They're in their charity, St Mirren. Yeah, I think they would work three times. Yeah. Um, it was a good goal as well, actually. Um, it was a really good finish. And a massive win for them. They'd have been travesty if they'd won that game, having the chances they had, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it still highlights the problem that St Mirren have got is that they're just not scoring enough goals now in this game one was enough um, but I mean arguably Hamilton had a penalty in this game well, kind of, it looked like it should have been a penalty but um, had, that, had they got that and Hamilton scored that it would have been another couple of points to up for St Mirren in a game they, they pretty much dominated but in this case it's, they, they got the three points but they were glad about that but I still think they need to they need to be scoring more especially if they're creating the chances they've done in this game yeah, I should point out, St Johnston are bottom of the table, obviously. Um, they have two games in hand over Hamilton, but those two games are against Celtic and Rangers. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not the greatest of to be given, the, as we said earlier, the, the other two have run away with it. Shall we, um, instead of maybe starting with the rest of the league, shall we talk about Falthouse in the Scottish Cup, Junior Cup? Yes. The game that finally got played. Because Aaron must be champion a bit to talk about us. <laughs> uh, no, uh, unbelievable win for us. Um, massive one. Obviously, there was a lot of talk in the build up, and there was a lot of uh, taking the piss, if you like. Um, so there was no there was no option for us to go up, but to go up there and win. Anything else wouldn't have wouldn't have went down well at all um, where they got some backlash I'd imagine so I'm looking at you know we go 1-0 down for a free kick after dominating early and then we get a goal back and within a minute our goalie scores an OG and I'm looking at it side just going surely not um, but in the end we dig it out and you know I think we had 13 players on Saturday or four struggling with injuries I hadn't trained in nearly four weeks um, had to come on and play 25 minutes another couple in a similar boat assistant manager was playing you know everything just seemed to be against us the weather was horrendous um, and Bridget on my big strong physical side and I just it took so much 
heart and desire to get the result and we've done it. And, you know, having been on the run we're on, we've lost three games in a row and two of the three we've probably started quite well and conceded. And it's again similar to the weekend. We were good for 40 minutes and we conceded. And, you know, you're worried about the reaction, but we reacted positively to the setbacks twice and managed to come out with a win, thankfully. What was the atmosphere like? Obviously, with all the stuff that had been spoken about on social media, etc., between the two clubs and different things like that. What was the atmosphere like at the game? I mean, the fans that were on our bus and stuff said that they weren't treated particularly well by anyone. But as players, uh, I mean, the game was a bit feisty. There's the tackles and some handbags and stuff throughout, but. Richard Don manager was fantastic. You know, I spent a lot of the game at the the Park, obviously, on the bench. I had a couple of laughs and jokes with him, and then uh, he came into our changing room after the game, wished us all the best, said that we deserved it on the day. So there was nothing untoward, but a few of the Fultures fans who travelled up said that they weren't, they weren't treated particularly well, which I would have expected that there'd be a bit of need on it. I mean, we really played on the whole Fox thing. Played it, dragged it over a couple of weeks, so I'd imagine they wouldn't be nobly happy with that. But I do just want to point out there was absolutely no pair work on the park, no evidence of any holes. So there's always been something about fishy going on, but thankfully we've overcome it and we've won the game and we're going to the last 16. With a draw tomorrow? Tomorrow, Even right. Office? Yep. With. And the gaffer, gaffer. Gaffer keeps yes. shooting a bit away, but yes. I'd rather avoid that. <laughs> it has been a wee bit of talk on the Twitter about that certainly like he's, he's had keeping winning him since the first round hasn't he I don't know why I think for me as a player give us the perceivable easiest tie at home please um, but like I said a few minutes I've made on it just there's something in me telling me at some point we're going to play them in the Scottish after leaving there in the summer so yeah. Just got a feeling that's going to happen at some point. Aye, they obviously wanted penalties against Glen Afton after a 0 yeah. draw. I suppose a bit of trouble afterwards the game as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I spoke to a couple of boys about the day. Apparently, there was people spit. I was, someone tried to spit on another medal player, which is disgusting. You know, I've got a lot of affinity for Glen Afton. I spent a couple of years in there, but I can't condone or accept behaviour like that. So you ain't going to have a medal then? I, I've got a, I've got a gut feeling. My best mate plays for them, um, Ryan Carlough, and me and him have been saying it since the very first round. At some point, we're going to end up full two of the medal. So I've got a hunch I might happen. Yeah, is, is that the tie you'd want, or is there a, a, an option you would rather have? Oh no, give me some. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to teams, but you know, you're looking at maybe Newston Tayport. Stonywood, something like that at home. Um, try and avoid the big boys if we can. Aye. Nielsen had a good result by Jerry Weekend, knocking out Lockheed, because he'd obviously been in the semis the last two seasons. Aye. That was a surprise. Aye. Well, good luck yeah. to you, sir. I mean, it's just, uh, it's good to be in the hat, and we'll see, we'll see how it comes to one. I mean, we've not had an easy run of it in the Scottish, to be fair, I think. We've always had quite a difficult draw so far, so an easier one tomorrow would be nice. Was that a good journey home after the game? 
Aye, it was good. Aye. Um, and then myself and a few of the boys took in the boxing in, in my house. So I was a little bit tender on Sunday, let's say. <laughs> is it true? <laughs> is it true? Ahead, and that's how you're all going to New York before the game. To <laughs> 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 club fund it. <laughs> yeah, that's what, like, that's the thing. Predicting we were in, like I fractured my, uh, my bone in my foot. Cast under four weeks ago. hadn't hadn't trained, hadn't kicked the ball, and Gaffer phoned me on Friday and said, "You're going to need to pack your boots." And I had like my foot strapped up. Uh, within two minutes of going on, I've had to go into fifty-fifty instantly. I just point this isn't right. So that's where we were at the weekend. We were patched up, hanging together. But sometimes that brings out the best in a squad, and it's what happened on Saturday. I got adrenaline just getting you through, especially a cup tie as well. Mm-hmm. Gives you that wee bite extra. Was the gaffer yeah. one of the subs as well? Because I noticed that he had to re-register himself for the second game. I, I maybe I'll be on the team sheet, but then if any boots or gloves on. But <laughs> I mean, he could have brought himself on after the second goal we've conceded, and I'm sure Matty Craig won't mind me saying it, but he's. I don't know what he's doing, but he's kicked the ball off his own post and in it, and I still, I still can't get my head around it. So he's taking a bit of stick for that in the whistle. And he's pulled his apple <laughs> a few times this season, but it's just one of the worst things I've ever seen in a football park. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you want to see doing the rounds on YouTube. Not necessarily from your point of view for your team, but um, mm-hmm. you, you see some of these things happen. Um, but... I'm glad he's got through, especially after all the carry on, and, and we've obviously taken the Mickey with the you know the Fox stuff and putting the um, the Fox gifs on Twitter and stuff. But it was a bit farcical, so I'm glad justice was done. Well, again, yeah. the club as well, some good, some more good pubs later on, mind you. Even a fair bit of pubs over the last few weeks. hundred uh, percent, but that, that's what made it so crucial. We had to win it. I mean, like I said, if we didn't win. You give them free reign to see and do whatever they like for a while. So it's nice to just to win the game and be able to move on. But they get part of like business. That's it. well, we need to use this to kick on. Like I said, we were on a free game losing streak, and like having had a really really good start. So hopefully we can use this as springboard. But I've got it's a cup game this weekend again, one of the five million cups that you get in the juniors. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Although looking at the weather this week we might be struggling but um we need to try and use it as a springboard and get ourselves back on back on track in the week. I mean we're still in the still roughly where about we want to be and if you said at the start of the season this is where we would be in December, last sixteen in Scottish, still in every other cup within touching distance at the top we would have taken it. There's a frustration because obviously at one point we're six point clear but we just need to Regroup and go again now that we've got a win, having had a difficult period. Aye, John knows all about that because I about they're about 15 games behind the, the league leaders. But if they can yeah. play the league leaders every week, it'll be alright, eh? Aye, well, I was at the game on Saturday uh, against Colin Rangers. Obviously, Colin Rangers have been doing to the this season. So, first half, to be fair, close game. Um, and actually, I would say Colin probably had the better chances. Could have probably been maybe two one up, maybe three one up, but then mm-hmm. second half, Tower just blew it away. Um, Graham Wilson, you'll know him here, um, yep. plays up front for Tower, but 
the energy he's got is unbelievable. Um, he's maybe not been in the best goal scoring form this season, um, but got a hat trick on Saturday and just putting an all down terrific centre forward performance. Uh, for me, he's the best striker in the juniors and has been for a, few, a couple of years now. Yeah, I think as well we keep to tell was a left back. I played, I was, I played Dumit Cumnock and he played left back and he would push him up front every so often and it always amazed me that he played left back and I never understood it. Aye, I've never seen him play at left back. <laughs> was he good at left back? <laughs> I was well, a good player but he's, he's much more natural up top. His instinct is to be an attacking player and always was even back then. So, uh, uh, For me he's the best all-round striker in the juniors 100%. Aye. It, was a, it was a good game Saturday. Um, sometimes with Talbot playing other teams, they tends to be kind of mainly Talbot in possession and other teams maybe kind of sitting back a wee bit. But winning game as good as they got. Um, and I would say kind of six one was probably a bit harsh on Cowan. Um, so that's a thing to just uh, the 19 points with eight games in hand. There's a similar situation last year. Talbot gets every season. They should start giving up some of the cup competitions at this quarter if they want. <laughs> well, the junior cup, is that you want? Oh. <laughs> I, I am sure a lot of folk would be happy with that in the juniors, aye. <laughs> uh, sure. aye. Well, again, we'll get back to Lingatch as well, because the last three weekends have all been cup games. So, the last, well, the last three weekends, the last three games have been um, cup games, so, aye. Links to bread and butter, anyway. So we'll go back to the lower league leagues. League two, because that was a big, uh, big game. And in, in, in the top two were playing each other. And um, interestingly enough, Edinburgh City came out winners over Cove Rangers. Uh, back-to-back defeats in the league for Cove now. Yeah, that's a bit and of a... And City are now two points behind them. But this league also showed where the... Um, pick out awards just get um, shut right down because yep. um, the breaking city goalkeeper um, <laughs> remarkable goal <laughs> Lewis McMahon uh, I think his name was well, that was uh, breaking city's first win and goodness knows how long um, I've only had three in a week so far this season but that was a uh, timely victory over Stanley so hi I'm still four behind Alvin Overs because unfortunately Alvin Overs also won at the weekend. Uh, 2-0-1 over Queen's Park. So uh, it's, it's, things have just closed up a little bit in week two, which is good to see. Uh, keeps things exciting. Uh, Kevin Beast through with Elgin City, so they never really managed to catch up on Cove Rangers much. Um, and then an athletic beach Dennis Muir 2-1. So they're now two points behind Kevin Beast. Bye, just you better take off. It's good to see. It's good though, every time that Lewis McMahon gets the ball now, it'll just be shouts a shoot! <laughs> Probably, right. And then just like that, Andy Lichman scored one time, and that was it. Uh, every time, he, he could get the full into the park, easy. Um, so, surprised he's not scored four goals, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, League One um, had a big shortage of goals, because in the five games, he only got six goals. Um, but yep. just the one but- was needed in the big game between Wraith and Airdrie. The top okay. two and Wraith um, now go top of the table. I think Falkirk needs five for the kicking themselves at that one. 0-0 <laughs> draw there. Yeah, the two teams next in the league. So, uh, uh, here they're just down to one place. Um, 
the other goals kill <laughs> of those six goals. Three of them came for Peter Head uh, against Bottom Club Stranraer. So uh, that's with Peter Head above Clyde. Yeah. Clyde for another one that drew nine each against Forfa. And then Montrose got the other two against Dumbarton. I'm so pretty yeah. sure Montrose were about the league look five weeks ago and now they're fifth. Ah, they're three points at the playoff. And I just mentioned uh, Scott Brown of Peter Head, who we obviously interviewed when Peter Head won the league last season. He's got four goals this season and three of them have come against Trenar. Um <laughs> and, I t- and I texted him and said, do you like playing them or something? <laughs> and then up in the championship, not so tight up at the uh, top, because then he... United got another win against Elwell. Um and second place United as I think it was about a week ago have lost the midweek and then lost it again uh, on Saturday lost to not Inverness so if they were second place they've now dropped two fourths because mm-hmm. um, they've lost the last three now are you? Uh, it's kind of falling apart for them again I think I think um, David Hopkins needs to take his modern squad to the doctors and get some for their travel sickness they still can't get a point away <laughs> from home. Aye. Uh, I mean, Dunfermline are in a decent run of form at the moment. Uh, having won four of the last five and, and won the last three. Um, so it was a difficult trip for them anyway. But I like Martin's away form might be troublesome for them. Especially given the fact um, one of the winners this weekend is part of Thistle. Because they're now only two points behind... Oh, sorry, the one point behind Martin as well, or two points behind... Uh, so just starting to claw himself back into this a wee bit picked up was it two wins in the draw in the last five not ideal but um, certainly not the certainly a big improvement in the thumping he got off the final last week yeah I think for them having been bottom um, McCall's aim is just to make sure they're still in and not um, for the ref a drift when it comes to the new year and then obviously mm-hmm. we'll no doubt sign a few players so um, but they've got themselves off the <coughs> bottom just ahead of Alloa um, but yeah it's certainly um, they're not that far off the play they're nine points behind it alright here's got a game in hand um, mm-hmm. but they're not overly far off the, the playoff spot if they can get a good run they could easily get into it I mean look at Dunfermline they were like 7th or 8th a few weeks ago and now they're 3rd it just shows how tight that league can be it's always done that one. Every season we set the championship might be the most exciting division. And it's certainly shaping that way again. Well, that'd be an argument maybe for League One with a top four battle. The battle between the top four, League One's certainly good. But um, for me, the, other than Dundee, if you take Dundee United out of it, the championship's just the rest of the division. Is, you could be fighting relegation one minute and fighting for playoff the next Is it time for uh, the two Jordans to take a break while you Celtic fans discuss the, the game on Sunday <laughs> The Mickey Mouse Cup final Aye <laughs> Aye Well first of all I'll explain why I was introduced as Terry earlier um, because I changed my uh, Twitter handle to Terry Monroe um, yesterday, after Celtic achieved their tenth consecutive trophy uh, domestically, um, and for those that don't remember the the story of the Celtic fan that went on holiday and got went to got drunk and went and got a, a tattoo of "Can I get ten in a row?" and somebody tattooed Terry Munro on him, 
Um, so I, I changed my name to Terry Monroe yesterday. And then um, if you follow Soccer Guy on Facebook and Twitter, um, he's also referenced Terry Monroe today. Um, I tagged him in that one today just so that um, he was known what we were talking yeah. about. <laughs> Aye, it's uh, <laughs> it's fantastic as always. Um, the uh, Zocker guy we've mentioned it a few times here. If you don't follow, then you probably should. Uh, it's a good laugh every week. But um, aye, the game itself um, was massively one-sided. Um, Rangers came flying at the box. Celtic never really got going, um, and for much of the first half, it was the uh, Fraser Forster keeping. Rangers at bay um, so we got to half time at nothing each and kind of hoped it might get better in the second half <laughs> I, I think I said at the time I wasn't entirely convinced because we looked like our entire team were having an off day the only guys who, were, who came out with pass marks in the first half were probably Frimpong and of course Foster um, unfortunately in the second half Frimpong seemed to uh, kind of fall away quite a bit in that game um, but I think the the key moment for Celtic was the fact that we played with Morgan for a bit of a up front because Edward wasn't fit. Uh, Edward came, Edward came on, and I'm guessing Rangers' tactic at that point was okay. Edward was been a doubt all week. Let's kick him and see how uh, he makes of that. So he get upended at the very first opportunity. Unfortunately for Rangers, that led to a Ryan Christie free kick coming into the box and Julian getting on the end of it and putting the ball in the net. Um, nobody claimed for offside at the time. But uh, I think all the chat has been about whether it was offside since then. I know what my thoughts are. Aaron, what's your thoughts? I mean, I think it's marginal. It's at the t- I was at the game, and at the time, you free kick. Firstly, what is Goldson doing? Nonsense, Phil, to give away. Um, I think he's taking Edward's fitness. It's got to be that because there's absolutely no need to make the tackle there. No. It's got to be a let's leave one on him and see what he, see how he feels and see if he fancies it, which has worked out in our favour. Um, and I think I've not seen many people question why he goes and does that, but again, it's one of the Rangers back forward crazy decision that leads to something like that, and that's a theme for them. Um, but when the when Christie lined up the free kick, I thought I'm actually shouting from the side that I yeah to get back on side because from where it was, I was almost in line with it. He looked offside and Christie was lining it up, but. When the ball goes in the box and it's scored, no one, like you say, no one claims. And then I've seen all these pictures and all these replays, and it probably is marginally offside. But it's one of these ones that assistants get get wrong up and down the country every single weekend. And I mean, probably even four or five years ago, you would have said, "Well, let's give the attacker the benefit of the doubt." So all this uproar over it. I can understand it, but I think it's, it's went a bit over the top. It's become a focal point of what of what happened. I mean, what a couple of minutes later, we lose a player. Rangers get a penalty, the perfect opportunity to get back yeah. into the game and probably going take over. So, I, I just, I think it, it's like I said, it's marginally offside, but I'll take it. It's difficult for me to to be honest and to be unbiased here. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, I, I was at I was at the game and I watched. It through my fingers it was horrendous <laughs> for the nerves it was I can't remember such a one-sided game where Celtic have had a doing like that no, up, it's, until, it's <laughs> up until we I don't think up it was until we went down to 10 that's the odd thing 
There's a video doing the rounds of uh, Fraser Foster's saves in this game, and the last save he makes in this video is the penalty. You don't see much after that. And, and, and I was I thinking think, back to think if it was him missing that video, and the answer's no. I think Rangers had a few chances. Rangers had a few chances after that, but they, it was more a case they were missing the target. Like Morelos flashed a couple past the post um, during that time. Uh, there was a few wild shots that went into the start. And as well, but there was nothing that Foster had to save, unlike prior to that, because he saved three or four times for Morelos. There's a terrific save in the, the first half, with, um, I think it was Ryan Jack. Um, uh, that was probably the best save of the match, to be honest, that they called away. And there was a couple with somebody, he, he kind of flicked away with his foot, he clawed another one away in the second half. Foster was brilliant in this game, um, and there's no doubt the, the penalty save is probably the, most, the biggest focal point because. Um, I'll go back there's no doubt it's a penalty um, as I said Frimpong didn't really start the second half I think Morelos had finally targeted the fact that Frimpong kept getting the wrong side of him and in this case he got the wrong side of him hauled him down um, it's a bit unfortunate the ball broke to Morelos in the first place because your defence kind of can be quite messy kind of tried to clear it and bounce into the path but Frimpong Holds him down, no doubt that's a penalty. They always say if he tries to get the ball, it can be a yellow card instead of a red card, so it's no double jeopardy. But he's holding him down, there's no intent to play the ball, so the referee's got the decision right to send him off as well. Um, and then there was question marks over who was going to take the penalty, whether it should have been Tavernier, who up until now has been Rangers' penalty taker, or the fact that Tavernier picked it up and handed it to Morelos. A lot of people have seen read into that that Tavernier was passing the buck basically didn't he want to be the man to take the responsibility or they were trying to get Morelos to finally break his duck against Celtic or something along those lines but Stephen Gerrard came out after the game and admitted that actually Morelos was a nominated penalty taker for this game and, and I think that might be because um, I know certainly the last penalty Tavernier took he missed he's missed a couple this season as well so I think they were probably due a change of penalty taker and Morelos would be the obvious choice given he's 25 goals or something already this season uh, you'd think he'd be a reliable man from the spot, but it wasn't a great penalty. As much as Fraser Foster got down to save it well and guessed right, and some people will claim he, he came off his line too quickly, um, I have seen, again, still shots, I'll admit, but the still shot suggests there's one foot on the line, so technically it's legal. Um, the still shot also shows Ryan Kent is damn near level with Morelos at the time, so had he scored, it should have been retaken. <laughs> but um, it's, it's not the greatest of penalties, it doesn't put it anywhere near the corner, it's it's the kind of one that a keeper, if he guesses right, is going to save, and that, that was certainly the case in, in this one. Um, and after that, you kind of the bush still about twenty-five minutes left of the game, um, so it was a nervy, very long game after that for us. But as I say, Foster didn't really have enough save to make after that. Rangers had a few chances. The biggest chance for me um, came Celtic's way actually, because. Um, there was a wonderful bit of play between Johnson who came on at half time and um, Edward who, who sent Johnson to do one on one with the keeper <coughs> and Johnson put the ball wide I think credit to McGregor for this one um, he gives him very little to shoot up um, and, and doesn't go down quickly and he does everything right from the keeper perspective and it's enough to stop uh, Johnson getting a clear shot at goal and he puts it just wide so um, I, if it had been the other way around I would, my money would have been Edward scoring it but I think yeah. John's young boy, McGregor, experienced goalkeeper. I think uh, uh, McGregor's probably the, the coming on top there, rather than anything bad that Johnson did. I'll give the credit to the goalkeeper. 
it was one of, it was one of those games. The more cha- um, Rangers um, were missing chances, the more you thought Celtic is just going to um, sneak this. And obviously they, they got their goal. And then when it came to the penalty, as soon as that ball was handed Morales, I, I thought he's missing this. Uh, it was just one of those days for him. I mean, he's obviously that's now eleven games. Um, and he's not scored against Celtic. He's not had as many many chances in the ten previous games combined to the chance he had um, yeah, on Sunday. Um, but it was it was as if sometimes he was trying too hard. Like there was one he should have squared to Kent, um, who's in a much better position, but he tried to go himself. And you can kind of understand it. You want your striker to be um, greedy at times, but just sometimes I just thought he was a bit too desperate. And, um, and of course, Fraser Forster was inspired. But, um, he, I mean, you can say Celtic didn't deserve it. I certainly don't think they deserved it. I thought Rangers were far the better team today. But it all comes down to putting the ball in the back of it. But can yeah. you deny Fraser Forster a trophy for the a winner's medal for the performance he put in? No. That's... That, that to me was the difference between the two teams. I mean, you can say that Rangers dominated the game, and I would, I would disagree. Um, but as you say, when it comes to football, it's a very simple game. It's who scores the most goals. Um, Celtic put the ball in the net once. You can argue whether it was offside or not. I've, I've, I've flopped on it myself quite a bit. Um, I thought initially, the, whoever the seven, I really should look this up. Who was the 17 for Rangers? Was that Goldson? Whoever that was, I thought he played. Aribo. I thought he played everybody on. Was it Aribo? Aribo. I thought he played everybody on initially, um, and then I watched the replay and thought, ah, I never quite got back far enough. And it was only late last night that somebody pointed it to me. You need to watch Hellander. And Hellander actually, when you when you look at all the screenshots of when the ball is played, you don't see Hellander because he's the wrong side of Julian for the camera. Um, and there's, I know the Daily Record have picked it apart, but the Daily Record's screenshot for some reason is just after the free kick's been taken. By which point Hellander's dropped away for the, the, the on-rushing Celtic players again. So if it was taken at that spot, I would say it was offside. But for me, Hillander is right next to Julien when the ball's played. You can, In the screenshots, you can see his arm sticking out. Now, I fully admit you cannot play the ball with your arm, but the arm is ahead of Julien by that point. So whatever the arm's attached to, the rest of Hillander's body can play the ball. It must be level. So actually... You could argue that this was level. Um, they've been calling for VAR to come into the game. VAR is only supposed to be used if it's an obvious decision change. Um, the linesman never flagged. The referee's given the goal. I don't think you can say it's an obvious. It, it was, they were obviously offside because ultimately there's no good angle which you see whether Highlander is truly playing everybody onside or not. Yeah, the, th- the thing that Stephen Gerrard mentions about um, VR obviously coming at the end of the game um, when these teams get beat, has Gerrard not been listening to some of the outcry of VR in his own country? Um, because they, I, I don't know if they don't want it or they just um, they're sick of it because it's just getting too forensic almost. I mean that deci- there was a decision the Sheffield United and Newcastle game which which was absolutely baffling. Um, Sheffield United are trying to play offside near the centre circle um, and Shelby runs through, everyone stops, the goalkeeper's half stopped, Shelby's just thought, I'm just going to put the ball in back in there anyway. Linesman's actually got his flag up, but they went to VR and gave the goal. And I just think they've overcomplicated it, it's taking too long, sometimes it's taking five to six minutes to make a decision. We're talking about this offside call still 24 hours after the game and there's many different people saying it's, it's, a, it's offside, it's onside. Um, a lot of it's inflicted by um, whatever colour spectacles your team is. Um, but at, yep. the end, at the end of the day, it does, no matter whether you bring VAR in or not, it's, again, it's always going to come down to the referee's interpretation of how that's viewed. Yeah, 
The fact that we are dissecting it so much and it has been dissected shows how marginal a decision it is. Yeah. Therefore, I mean, it happens. I think there was one Morelos against Hearts, similar position, free kick, gets yeah. crossed in and again, the goal was given. It just happens. And VAR, in fairness to Gerard, I think in his pre-match interview he says the VAR, but I think in his press conference he says he's actually not 100% behind VAR, but he believes it would have given the correct decision in that aspect. But in fairness to him, he does say he's not 100% behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could go over it forever and ever. The reality is the goal was given and that's it. Yeah. It would be that if he was a yard offside, I would understand the uproar. But what are we saying? Half of his foot was offside or his foot was offside, maybe? Yeah, I think as well, Gerard made the point that you still need to defend if you kick. Yeah. yeah. Well. The other thing I would say is that these positions are the single-handedly most difficult thing a linesman has to do in football because he's trying to watch the line of many different players. He's trying to watch what's happening when the free kick gets taken. There's so many factors for the linesman to try and catch at exactly the same time. It's a very difficult job to do. Um, and I, I, I don't think there's... Again, the case in point would be the linesman can't see Helander. Julian's in the way. So he doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Brown found his medal. <laughs> 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 I, I did. I did. Um, I, I don't know. I, there was an, another incident in this game which we haven't talked about yet. Was um, I know Stephen Craigan was pretty irate about it, but what the BT sport referee said it wasn't a, a penalty. But um, Simon Brown was kicked Morales up the arse basically. Aye, pretty much. Now I can understand that um, he should have been kicking him up the arse. However. Having kicked him up the arse, Morelos goes down as if his legs had been taken. Um, so Morelos was looking for it. And throughout this game, Morelos was throwing himself about. Um, he had a few wee niggles at people. Um, he could have been booked for persistent fouling. He could have been booked for a, a, several of the fouls he actually committed. Somehow he got through this game without even picking up a yellow card, never mind a red card. Um, I, I, that added to the fact that he cannot seem to score against Celtic, which suggests to me that he still has work to do when it comes to the, his, um, his mentality for the, the big games like this. Um, because the, the goal thing will definitely be playing in his head. Um, whether that was why the penalty wasn't any good, I don't know. Um, but certainly, he's, he can be easily riled up in this game. Uh, we've seen it before. This is the most indisciplined I've seen him this season because we've, we've credit on this podcast he has certainly screwed him up quite a bit recently um, but it was kind of it wasn't as bad as I've seen him but he did he did enough in this game to arguably get, get himself sent off and somehow never get booked at all um, that one I don't understand because he commits about 11 fouls in this game or something like that somebody's that encountered it I, mean, I think Morelos is a very, very good player, but clearly something gets him, the fact that he hasn't scored against Celtic. You know, this, this shot, he's taking shots and he's snatching at things. You know, I've seen him in other games this season and he would have scored three or four, but he snatches at it. And I think it's summed up by one breaks him on the edge of the box and he nearly enough kicks out of Hamden because it's just sheer frustration <laughs> and desperation <laughs> to score. And I think that just sums up what happened to him. I think um, that 
I think that was the move after Rangers didn't give the ball back from Celtic kicking it out. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I, I'm all for that. If it was Celtic, I wouldn't want us to get yeah. the rules changed now. There's no whoever has possession just gets it back. So yeah, but all that came because it, I don't mind that. I, I, you, I mean, if you're Celtic, you certainly do that. But all that even came from Morelos having a wee cheeky dig at uh, Julian, and it was him that went down injured, and then he's kicked the ball out. So um, to then keep the ball was. was was, was very cheeky indeed uh, but aye it was um, well, like you said earlier um, it's, it's goals that win games Celtic got a goal and Rangers didn't and a big part of that was Fraser Foster so yeah. no no doubt for me Fraser Foster was why we're matching this game I doubt anybody else would say otherwise mm-hmm. uh, which does go to, to, to say something about the way Rangers played in this game um, they will obviously take heart from the fact that they, they dominated this game so much in terms of possession in terms of chances um, they will take that into the game at Celtic Park at the end of the month. Whether Celtic play as badly again, I don't know. I hope not, obviously. Um, certainly in front of the home crowd, you, you would hope to have the, the slight advantage of that as well. We have one at Ibrox already. Um, so Celtic yeah, I think, will not um, get away with that No, I don't think so. I, I mean, as much as a, a Fraser Foster is a terrific player, um, I, I don't think he's going to have two games back-to-back against Rangers where he keeps everything out. Um, I, th- I think the the big question is now. Like Edward only played half an hour of this game, and he looked like he couldn't move at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, he was certainly not fat. Um, I think he got, we got as much of Edward as we possibly could in this game. Um, so, as much as I didn't like the fact that Morgan started the game, I don't think there was any choice because um, Griffiths was. From all, all accounts I've heard, the Griffiths he still wasn't anywhere near fat for uh, playing any length of time either. That's really worrying. That is really worrying because it doesn't seem to be getting much better. Um, we do have the, the the Clues game coming up on Thursday night, which is a complete dead rubber for Celtic. Um, I know Lazio want us to go out there and beat Clues for them, but ultimately there's five other games that Celtic have got to play in a, 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 the rest of this month, um, and they're all far more important to us than the Clues gamers. So I would send it as theirs, but one of the people I would send it there is Griffiths because I'd want to see him try to get some match, match sharpness back, and that's a big game to put him in. Yeah, I think if it doesn't work for Griffiths over the next couple of weeks, because Celtic will do need other options if Bio's still injured. Um, Lewis Morgan, as well as he did against Rain, he's not a centre forward; he's a winger. No. Um, so you can't be relying on, on that option. Um, so this is Griffiths' opportunity, and I think if it doesn't happen over these next few weeks, and he ends up getting left out the old firm game completely, I think it's. Um, curtains for Griffiths at Celtic and I think he'd be better off. I, I mentioned this before I knew Bayer was injured. I think Celtic should think about loaning Lee Griffiths out um, to our Scottish Premiership club where apart from the top two obviously he's more likely to get games for any other team in the league and I would include Aberdeen now because he could form a partnership with Cosgrove um, even send him back to Hibs he would likely get a game there um, but the boy needs games if that's going to boost his confidence because um, it's really what are in because Celtic can't afford to um, carry him right now No I think Celtic certainly need another striker in there somewhere um, I, I, even three has never really sat well with me especially the fact that Griffiths has been out with his long term troubles as it is um, to then Bio get injured well, this is the second year in a row we've been running with let's hope Edward doesn't get injured um, so that hasn't really been the greatest position to be in uh, but Again, we've managed to somehow pick up the League Cup despite being second best in the game. 
Um, we now have uh, a few league games to play before the winter break. Hopefully, by the time we get through the winter break, maybe that's what Griffiths needs. He needs a winter break to get himself up to speed uh, with everybody else, and they can come back in January and be uh, somewhere close to what he was before. Um, but I do think Celtic will need to bring somebody else in as well, because uh, as much as as much as they have Bio, I don't. I've yet to be convinced that Bio is the answer. Um, we're, we're certainly very reliant on Edward in that position. Now, the midfield when it plays uh, is good for providing goals. Again, I don't think it did too great in the League Cup final. Um, but well, apart from the, the free kick that Christie put in, I'm not sure he did too much. Um, just the Rangers dominated the midfield, and that's played a big part in why they were so dominant in the game. Um, we never really looked like getting too much for the chance that Mikey Johnson had was probably another real highlight as far as anything from the midfield goes. Um, but in most games, the midfield has been has been backing Edward or whoever's been playing up front up uh, quite nicely. Just it didn't in this game, um, and that's the kind of game where you rely on your star striker getting a goal, or as it was in this case, a set piece. Um, and we did that. We've done that a few times over the years as well. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, there was like two or three games in a row that uh, Dedrick Boyata was getting the only goal of the game. Uh, we'd maybe score for a corner or a set piece or something along those lines. So Julian getting the end of that one uh, made the difference this time. Yeah, I think we should move on from the Celtic slavering right now. Um, congratulations <laughs> on yet another trophy. Um, I just yeah, I to think point out before we finish up on that game, I just say, um, as I said, Rangers will be hoping to carry on. Um, one of two things could happen with Rangers now: they can either get completely deflated uh, by that um, such a sucker punch for them, um, and then everything falls apart for here. But I don't think that's the kind of mentality Stephen Gerrard's going to drive in at them. I do think. The fact that they have such a big game coming up on Thursday night will probably help them out um, because they know that's a massive game in Europe, at home, in front of a full Ibrox. Um, they, if they can win that, they win their group. Um, and then whatever damage was done psychologically on Sunday with the, with the defeat to Celtic is fixed by the end of the week. Um, yeah. And then they hit Sunday's game and uh, they're back in league action again. So they could they, they could very well uh, restore things very quickly. And then we'll be back into the, the, the very tight title race that we have at the top. So um, obviously I hope Rangers do progress. Um, kind of hope it's not as convincing as I've just suggested. Yeah, I think that's um, not for the for the rest of the reasons, but yeah, um, I do think Rangers have got a, a, a very good opportunity to turn this around very quickly. Yeah. I think Rangers obviously can get through with a point um, at home, but. They can't afford the thing. Like I remember the year that they played Leon in the Champions League, and they just needed a point from that game to get through to the last sixteen. They lost that game three 0 That was a game famous for John Clark Dashwell missing for like three yards, and then Leon scored two late goals in the last five minutes to seal a three 0 win. And Rangers made up for it by getting to the FA Cup final, of course. But um, they can't really afford to, you know, think a, a draw will do because that's when they could get caught out. But as you you rightly point out, if they win the if they win the game, they win the group, and then they avoid your Champions League dropout teams and uh, some of the better um, sides that have won their respective groups in the other um, Europa League groups. So, yeah, but good luck to them because if they go through, then there's more points to the coefficient. It'll be two Champions League qualifying teams um, from season 21 22. So, um, yeah, good luck to, to them this week, as much as I. Don't want Rangers to well domestically in Europe. It's a different hat. Um, so moving on, obviously as well, we've got airing on tonight as well. Some things have been happening since you were last on the podcast. 
in terms of a new football project you've got up and running? What tells yes. you about it? Um, yeah, so myself and my wife, Siobhan, have started a community football project called Time to Tackle. Um, and it's just essentially offering free football firesides at the moment to people who are, have challenging life circumstances, whether it be mental illness or poor mental health or poor physical health or a bit of loneliness or social isolation. You know, just somewhere where people who enjoy football can come along and play for free um, in a non-competitive fun environment. Um, it's something that has been we've been working on for a while. Um, and we're now on week, this will be week seven. Um, so yeah, it's been going really well. Tomorrow night we're actually playing an ASA game against Menmart Scotland, who are a charity out of Drumchapel in Glasgow. Um, and they are focused again. It's a similar sort of ethos of sort of tackling uh, poor mental health and isolation and stuff in their area. So they started the Rome football team as well. Um, so yeah, we'll play them tomorrow. But yeah, it's been going really well. Um, in the new year, we'll be coming. We'll be launching in another couple of areas, um, backed by our under Yapa. So yeah, it's just really exciting for me. You know, uh, my first love was football. Um, I love playing it. I love watching it. I know a lot, many, many other people up and down the country do. Um, I've obviously got a really detailed history of mental illness. Um, and football has always given me an escape. And I just wanted to be able to provide that to other people. Um, so this is, that is where we come up with the idea. So we play for an hour. And then for the second hour, we have a room book. And we put on some refreshments and stuff. We've started doing soup over the last couple of weeks. So we've got a lot of soup coupling in as well, where people take shots to to make a homemade soup and bring it along. And, you know, it's just doing things like that, you know, giving people making friendships. I've met some really good people in the group. I've seen people start to, you know, speak to each other away from the group and really just try and create that peer-to-peer support network, that community network. Football's fantastic for it. You know, it's, football can be such a vehicle for change and within sort of mental health as well. So... It's just really exciting for me. I had a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people get in touch and want to want me to go and speak to them about maybe doing time to, to tackle in their communities and in their area. So hopefully next year will be a big year for us. Um, as I said, we've got another two areas lined up to, to launch and we'll see where it goes from there. It's very early days, but the, the first few steps have been really positive. And then you've got is it you've got a walk lined up February? Yeah. Yeah, so on the second of February we will be walking from Celtic Park to the Super Seal Stadium in Hamilton. Um we invite anyone to join us, whether Celtic fan or not. So the the reason we're doing it is just that uh, obviously like I said, football's my first love, Celtic's probably my second and she wants my third, although now first. <laughs> If she does ever listen back to <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, So we haven't, you know, sort of proved the concept of Titan Tackle. We got in touch with Celtic. Yeah, I knew a couple of people there at the foundation and stuff. And we went in and spoke to them about, you know, doing something in the community that could tackle mental health and loneliness. Uh, and using Celtic, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in football clubs have an instant reach of thousands upon thousands. 
they, they keep the just supporters of the club. So anything that a football club does will instantly get traction just by the supporters. So we were trying to convince Celtic to take up time to tackle and what we've come up with is Celtic were launching a project anyway called You'll Never Talk Alone um, which is aimed at tackling loneliness in society um, where they get a group of uh, the launch night was last week there was 120 odd fans there I think who were given a meal and we're all sat down at the tables next to each other and it's just around meeting people getting out of the house once a month you know having an opportunity to go and eat out of part for free so having gotten talking to people at the foundation myself and Siobhan thought that sounds like a great idea uh, we were invited along to launch night uh, as guests of the foundation so we went along the night was really special there was a wee old woman at my table um, Frances who had sadly had lost her husband in the last year and she was almost in tears sort of telling a story about how they had been together over 45 years and she hadn't left the house a whole lot since then and the opportunity to go out to something like this really, would really change her life so you know it's things like that are, it's heartbreaking to hear but then really heartwarming to spend I spent three hours in her company, you know, she was laughing, joking, she was a really fun old woman. It's just great to think that uh, projects like this can have an impact like that. And football clubs have an unbelievable opportunity to do that because they have so many fans. So we decided that we were going to do a walk from Celtic Park to an away game. So I tried to pick an away game within reasonable distance, but a long enough distance that it would seem worthwhile to do it for a cause and to try and raise some money. So we've got Mahamanakis. Um, a lot of this idea driven by guys down south who do the walk and talk for men's mental health. Um, a film fan called Lee Adams started this and he walks to many, many away games. Um, and in Dundee in November, I think you may have seen on my Twitter, I was up at Dundee Derby. I've done a walk and talk with some Dundee fans up there, which again was driven by Lee and his guys. Lee came up from Brighton to do it. So having gotten to talk to them, you know, I love walking, I've got a dog, I walk all the time, so I thought I wanted to do this and do it for the the game, so I picked the Aki's game. We're going to raise funds for the foundation to continue the You'll Never Talk Alone project, and it's an opportunity for people to come, go a good walk, meet some good people, hopefully meet some friends, raise some money, um, and see how it goes from there. And also secondary to that, I'm spending my New Year's Eve walking 40 miles from Reading to Fulham with English boys that do walk and talk, so I should be well trained when it comes then. My fair play to you. Some effort there. Yeah. Yeah. Will you have the legs to keep playing for Fault House after all that long? <laughs> I know. I, I made this mistake already as well and I've not learned from it really, but I did. 90 minutes earlier in the season, then on the Sunday I walked a marathon. So, and then. Aye, because we still remember your chippy that you got after it. <laughs> aye. aye. So, but I've clearly not learned about it because I'm still signing up from. But I mean, as everyone who knows me and knows my story, like, I'm hugely passionate about this. Um, I've been through the Maya, to, to say the least. Um, and I just want to hit. Firstly, help myself. This sort of stuff excites me. Like, going to my football group on a Wednesday, I love it. Absolutely love it. Something I can go and just, I don't need to worry about performance. I can go just enjoy it. Like sometimes I'll dive about in goals. I'm the worst goalie in the world, but it's just fun to, it feels <laughs> like being a child again, you know. Football can give you that escape, meeting some fantastic people. So I'm just so passionate about this and I just wanted to do whatever I can to help, you know. 
don't know if people seen on my social media the weekend, but I hadn't even said about driving up to Aberdeen. We crossed the bus crossed the bridge where I spent many, many hours in April considering my contemplating my life after the suicide attempt. So that was a, an emotional moment that brought me back a little bit. And but also just gave me that gratitude I'm still here and if I can continue to feel that grateful then I'll continue to try and make a difference where I can. Sometimes it's good to, um, I know it would have been distressing for you at the time, but um, sometimes it's good to revisit those to make you realise um, you know, how far you've come and that you did the right thing, thankfully. Um, and certainly your wife and son will be thankful um, that you made that decision not to um, do what you were going to do. So, no, good on you. Um, and I just wanted to say on the mental health subject because um, obviously David Cox, the County Beef footballer, um, was he spoke out a couple of years ago about some of the abuse he got, and he was getting more again. Um, he's to the point that he's now considering retiring for football. He wasn't in the County Beef squad at the weekend, um, and it's it's abuse for fans is bad enough. And yeah, it's easy to say fans don't know better. Um, you know, you should expect the fans. Sorry, but you, there's a line to be crossed. But see, um, when players are doing it, that's just out of order. Saying things like um, "do it properly next time" and "watch your wrist," that's just out of order. And from fellow professionals, that's just disgusting. And I just hope that it doesn't force David to um, to quit the game he loves. I would hope yeah, since all that's happened, he's, he's, he's been uh, bombarded with a lot of support um, because certainly, certainly it's been widely condemned um, everywhere I've seen, for, which is, is good to see. But the fact it's happened at all is ridiculous. It's just, there's no need for it. It's, everybody knows somebody that's suffering somewhere along the way. Most people would would you like to know it was one of them that was was suffering? You may not know David personally, but you know somebody like him. It's just it it sort of set back all the good things that have happened. You know, I'm really irritated me when I read it. I played with Cox and I sort of annoyed story. Obviously, Um, I'm very fortunate myself that I've had one person ever say anything negative to me. Uh, football related, nothing like he's obviously experienced, but for a fellow player to do it, I know players you find gain an advantage where you can, but there's some things that you just don't say, and challenging someone in that aspect is absolutely something you should not say to a fellow professional. Mm-hmm. And I'm also sick of the notion of hearing that because a fan plays, they can shout whatever they want or do whatever they want because they pay 10, 15 quid, whatever it is. If you want to go and act like that, keep your money and mm-hmm. shout at your telly or shout at somewhere else in your own home. There's absolutely no way you should be subjecting people to that type of abuse. Yeah, I mean, we've always spoken about it, um, you know, with various subjects, whether it be racism, sectarianism, or just general abuse, you know. Um, there's a fine line between um, banter and abuse. And, you know, unfortunately we're talking too often about people who overstep that mark and seem to think it's acceptable. And then some of the stuff that you read in social media, um, like we've often spoke about if there's a an anti-Celtic story, you'll get, you know, Rangers fans laugh, Rangers Hearts fans laughing, for example, and, you know, and then when it's the other way, it's Celtic Aberdeen fans laughing. It's just, no, you know, just take the colours off um, who that's associated to and just think of the bigger picture. Um, and... You know, but yeah, I just like I say, hopefully, um, 
I mean, I know David will probably do a bit of soul searching and Count Beath have said whatever he does, um, they'll back him even if it means him retiring for the game, they'll support him, so that's good to see, but hopefully it doesn't and just takes the time he needs to make that decision, because I think he's got a lot um, of good things going on away from football, so yeah, hopefully he'll make a conscious decision and one that he won't regret. I do, I do hope he sticks it out. And yeah, hasn't so forced it, but he's morons. Um, but I would completely understand if he decided he did enough. Just to bring it a wee bit more light-hearted, um, one of the funniest things that's, that did the rounds on Twitter, etc. last week, um, there, there was a bit of a stag do up in Fort William. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fort William FC had uh, abandoned their training because... Uh, <laughs> oh dear, there's something to do. <laughs> well, it's Christmas season, so. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> I've heard talk that they're looking for Barry Medicine as their new manager. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where we end this podcast? <laughs> uh, it might be. Forever. Forever. <laughs> Well, you started doing it, oh dear. Well, the stag do was the real start of it. Well. <laughs> uh, it just get gradually worse and worse after that. But, yeah. Uh, we'll we bring it back to the, the, the final bit of news for, uh, that came out today, that Russia have been tossed out of everything except Euro 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen this a few times. Russia being banned from every major sporting competition except the one that had been Scotland qualified for a football tournament is the most inevitable thing to have ever happened. <laughs> yes, it is. See, all that'll happen now in Russia is they'll do it like they do in America with like baseball and all that, but it's like the World Series. Russia will just start their own World Series at different things because they are. Set up the things. Yeah. Um, Russia's um, what? I, so they could have still been tournaments themselves. Yeah, uh-huh. apparently um, the, the explanation behind why the Euros doesn't count because um, it's not a global sport, whereas like the Olympics and the uh, World Cup, etc., are because it's teams from all around the world. Whereas the U- European Championships just obviously um, European teams. But you would think if they were talking about sport and integrity, then FIFA would be trying to apply pressure on UEFA to actually do the same and follow suit. But of course, UEFA won't budge because um, St Petersburg's one of the host cities. So, given that if 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 they leave it alone and hope everything's all right, and they'll just hope that Scotland get through the the, the playoff and qualify, so that one of the host nations is there. Um, but if they tried uh, stopping Russia playing, the Russians would just take it off, and they'd have to find a new host to replace in Petersburg. Well, alleged, allegedly, um, Wales um, Wales is um, well. I'll always call it Millennium Stadium. I think it's officially Principality, whatever it is now. But I'll, it's always a Millennium Stadium to me. None of this modern day pish. Excuse my language. Um, <laughs> but but you know, if if Wales were given um, all of a sudden a host, you know, host status again, they're going to have to look at redrawing this um, European Championship, which is already complicated enough. So Wales would have to come out of pot, um, Group A into Group B, and then Finland are having to swap, and then. But nah, it's see, I mean, as irritating as it as it sounds, I mean, Scotland don't deserve to go in through the back door that way. No, no. Um, let's just try and call no. this conventional way. Let's just, uh, no, let's just break our hearts in the playoffs. We'd be like to do anyway. That's not <laughs> Let us be one of the host nations. We're trying to be positive. You brought it back. 
We were trying to end on a light-hearted note with the Stag Do chat, and then we had to bring up this. It always seems to be Scotland chat depresses us in this podcast, so let's just find something else. <laughs> Can I just say one thing, though? Isn't the European Championship draw the most farcical draw you've ever witnessed? Absolutely. I, it was dreadful. Oh, the plans. <laughs> I mean, half of it was decided already. Uh-huh. But anyway, of course, Scotland will qualify by beating Norway over there in March. Mm-hmm. Norway or Serbia, yeah. But we need to get past Israel first. Um, but hopefully that happens and um, then we can have a special um, look back at past European championships and the, and the future one which, with Scotland in it. But a lot can happen between now and March. So let's just All keep right. dreaming for now. Aye. We should add as well, we're hoping to do a podcast at some point over the winter break about moments of the decade. So if any of the listeners or anyone has any ideas for their moments of the decade for their teams, whether it be funny, whatever, can I, can I just say, um, we'll close the vote in Clown of the Decade um, right now. Um, that is going to Mark McGee. <laughs> no, without shadow of doubt, Freeze, um, you know, for what he did at Aberdeen and then the, again... Um, when he lost seven two with Motherwell, he reacted in a similar manner. It's only three points. No, no, no nobody's taking that title from him. Ah, you'd be hard pushed. Mm-hmm. Save Although, the banter for that podcast when it comes. Aye, we should yeah. because I'd imagine there'll be other football like uh, Mad Vlad, um, Craig White, things like that. On the meet uh, of uh, similar. I heard he has a, he's got an autobiography coming out. He's got a book coming out next year, though. Yeah, d- depending on where you stand, Craig, what, Craig White could be hero of the decade or villain of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we should probably finish up and wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Right, cheers, Aaron. Good to have you back on. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks, everybody, for listening, as always. Again, congratulations to Celtic for 10 domestic trophies in a row. Oh, Teddy be quiet. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>